Hey fam, it's Lexi here to welcome you to the You Can Through Christ podcast. I am so honored and excited you're here. I pray these words give you the confidence to know you can do all things through Him. He is for you, loves you, and made you for an exact purpose for this life and the one to come. Stay tuned to find out. Welcome back on the show, guys. So on today's episode, I have my friend Jared Heckman. Hi, Lexi. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you. Um, all right, guys. So one of the things I love about Jared is he is very well versed in history and giving us great context of history and stories we know about the Bible um, that I'm not as well versed in. So I'm really happy to have him on. I'm honored to have him on and I'm excited to see what he's going to teach us today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. So like you said, I'm a big fan of history. Um, I do want to emphasize fan of history. I'm not a historian, so if anything <laughs> I talk about is wrong, I apologize. But um, so I've always been interested in, in history. I love the stories that come from the past. I love the figures. I love seeing the trends, how they go throughout time. And a big part of that is history that we can find in and around the Bible as well. And so for me personally, kind of getting an idea about how history interacts with what all the stories that we're familiar with has really strengthened my faith by giving me something that I can grasp onto that's tangible. Like, yes, this stuff happened. And we don't only have to rely on the Bible. There are outside sources that prove that as well. So what I'm going to talk about and what I'd like to talk about is kind of three main points. So my first point is that history can give us some much needed context to biblical stories that we're all pretty familiar with and so the two examples i'd like to bring up are the parable of the good samaritan and then the story of jesus meeting the woman at the well i love it jared and i just really can't agree more that god is logical and god has created history and i think it's a perfect way to help us strengthen our faith mm -hmm. so i am going to start us off by reading the two stories and then jared's going to dive in for us so the first story of the good samaritan we're going to dive into um, luke 10 verses 25 through 37. so starting with that it says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test jesus teacher he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took him out he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper look after him he said and when i return i will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers the experts ex the expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him 
Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And then the other story we have is the woman at the well in John 4, 4 through 26, which is, now he, now he had to go to, through Samaria. So when he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, am I saying that right? Sychar. I, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Near the plot, plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from this journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan, again, that's a key word here in the beginning of this, Samaritan, woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with, with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So those are two great stories that illustrate, um, obviously, loving your neighbor with the Good Samaritan. And then also... There are two key things in that story about the woman at the well. There's the introduction where she says, I am a Samaritan, you are a Jew, we do not associate. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, she talks a little bit about this mountain that we worshipped on and you Jews said that we have to worship in Jerusalem. Yeah, what does that mean? So we're going to get into that. All right, I can't so, wait. <laughs> I think everybody is at least somewhat familiar with those stories if you've read the gospel. And mm -hmm. so... But who exactly are the Samaritans and why did the Jews hate them? Those are questions that I didn't really know the answer to for a long time. And we're going to dive into the answer to that. Perfect. So to start kind of the short answer, it's a long story. And so to start, <laughs> you have to go all the way back in history to the time of King David and King Solomon. Okay. So they're ruling over the kingdom of Israel. However, after Solomon's death, um, things kind of go downhill pretty fast. So Solomon 
obviously a fantastic leader. His son is not. Mm -hmm. And so this causes a lot of civil unrest within the kingdom that eventually causes it to split in two. And so after the split, you have the northern kingdom of Israel and you have the southern kingdom of Judah. So again, one united, Israel splits into two. So for a period of time, you have northern Israel and southern Judah kind of coexisting, although not very peacefully. They're, they're at war trying to reclaim what the other views as lost territory. Okay. And so because of this, the northern kingdom of Israel is left weakened and eventually is conquered by the Neo-Assyrian Empire uh, in 720 BC under a ruler by the name of Sargon II. So the Neo-Assyrians are um, a civilization that kind of sprang up out of modern day Syria, uh, kind of expanded into what is now Lebanon and Eastern Turkey. That's kind of their um, homeland, I guess you could say. And so they come in in 720 BC and conquer the Northern Kingdom of Israel. And so for those who might not be too familiar, the Assyrians are also the people in the story of Jonah who live in the city of Nineveh. So Nineveh okay, is the okay. ancient capital of the Assyrians. So that might be another way for people to connect. And they are some rough people, right? They have <laughs> a very nasty history. Yes, they are okay. very brutal, warlike people. And so you can understand why Jonah might have been a little hesitant yes. to, to go to Nineveh, their, their capital city. Yeah. So these are the same people. Okay. And so um, records that Sargon II, the uh, Assyrian king at the time kept, stated that he deported over 27,000 Israelites from the area that, it, that was the northern kingdom of Israel. So... I imagine that at that point in time, that was probably a very significant portion of their population. And so you can't just take, you know, almost 30,000 people out without bringing people in to fill that mm. gap. And so that's exactly what the Assyrians did. They brought foreigners from all over their empire. So people from Lebanon, people from Turkey, people from Syria, and some of the other surrounding regions in the Middle East, they brought them in to settle back into the northern kingdom of israel so they take the israelites out and they fill them with foreigners interesting gotcha yeah and so now you have these foreigners who are intermarrying and intermingling with the israelite population that was left over okay that so there Sargon, are still israelites yeah there. sorry okay. there are still israelites okay. that are there gotcha um but they intermarry and they almost create a blending of two distinct cultures that produces the Samaritans. Gotcha. And so they're named that because this area that the Northern Kingdom of Israel kind of inhabited also goes by the name of Samaria. Okay. So Samaritans from Samaria. From Samaria. Now the big thing is, is that they didn't, it wasn't only a blending of cultures ethnically, it's also a blending of um, spiritual faith as well. Sure. And I think that's why God warns many times in the Bible not to marry people outside of the Israelites because he was scared they would take on their pagan worship. Exactly. Right? And okay. that's exactly what happened here is that the Samaritans blended their Jewish Hebrew faith 
with Assyrian paganism. Mm. So it's a very odd kind of blend of the one true God and also this pagan religion that is brought from these foreigners who, foreigners who came in and settled in the land. So that's while, that, while all that's going on up in the, the north, mm -hmm. the southern kingdom of Judah remains independent for roughly another 140 years. Okay. So 720, again, okay. Israel falls, okay. but Judah st stays strong. However, um, during that time, the Assyrians are toppled okay. by another empire called the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Okay. And so Babylon arose from what is now modern-day Iraq and then oh. came in, swept in, took out the Assyrians, took over all that territory that we mentioned before, okay. and then set their sights on Judah. Okay. So Judah's next, and they end up getting conquered in 586 under a name that might sound familiar to a lot of people, Nebuchadnezzar II. Okay. So after Judah is conquered, mm -hmm. um, Solomon's temple is destroyed. Uh, the Babylonians are very upset that they had to actually physically take Jerusalem by force. And that's just what happened in the in the ancient times is that if you had to take a city by force, you just destroyed it. And so Solomon's temple is destroyed and the Jews are sent into exile in Babylon. So if, a story from the Old Testament that most will be familiar with. Yes. And so um, they exist out in exile uh -huh. for, uh, I believe it's 70 years, I think. Is it roughly? I think that sounds familiar too. Yeah. So yeah. roughly the time yep. frame they're, they're existing in Babylon. Uh, the book of Daniel happens yep, with all the stories Daniel, in there. Yep. And then at the end, you have a new uh, bad boy on the block, the Achaemenid <laughs> Persian Empire. So these are um, a people that popped out of what is now modern-day Iran. Um, and then under Cyrus the Great, they conquered the Babylonians. And so these are the same uh, Achaemenid Persians who... People might be familiar with um, from the movie 300 um, with yep. the Spartans versus the Persians. Yes. Um, those are the same guys. Is, okay. And then these are also the same Persians that um, Alexander the Great conquered. So for people that might not be too familiar, just think about the guys from 300 or Alexander the Great. Okay. And That's so good. this is the end of the book of Daniel where Cyrus the Great comes in and allows the Jews to return to uh, the land of Israel. Which this blows my mind. I remember reading the specific verse, so a couple things. I Well, I was always thinking, like when they're exiled to Babylon, I remember the Israelites like really questioned God's faithfulness during mm -hmm. that time. And I think they were kind of like, how, how is God, does he really even care about us anymore? We're in Babylon. But it's cool when you see the big picture to know God actually has his plan working the entire time. And part of his plan going to Babylon was just like he disciplines his children. It was a form of discipline mm -hmm. in order for them to be sent back because Cyrus sends them back and he is a pagan king. He is. In the specific verse, I believe it's in either Ezra or Nehemiah. It literally says like God moved the heart of King Cyrus, which fascinates me because mm -hmm. he didn't worship God. He did not. So to me, that just shows God's sovereignty. Like of in course. the midst of all of this, which is just very comforting and just incredible like that power it blows my mind and it's funny you bring that up about cyrus mm -hmm. he is actually a character that still in some jewish circles today is like a revered figure for wow. allowing the jews to return back to the land of israel mm -hmm. and so 
he is somebody who, um, for a long time, the Jewish people have looked up to as a positive figure. You know, somebody who, again, his heart was moved by God. So yeah. he... He, he earns the nickname the great for a reason and for many different reasons to different people yeah but the other interesting thing about cyrus is that we actually have the records of his edict that allowed the jews to return to israel so we have the bible saying wow one thing but we also have his own record that is confirmed um secular history that says yes i'm allowing the jews to return awesome. to their homeland yeah and so i think that's another cool thing that we have that um just proves what the what the bible says it's true yeah it's and perfect. so um while all this is happening out in babylon um cyrus is allowing the jews to come back there's a group of people who never left mm -hmm. the uh area of the promised land of israel oh the samaritans i never knew that that's fascinating so the samaritans were there all mm -hmm. along okay and now you have the um, Jews coming back to the land that was promised. And that's where we start to get some tension that comes from that. So, They're like, get out of my home. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And so you, uh, one thing that I forgot to mention is that the southern Israelites came to be called Jews because after the kingdom of Judah. Mm -hmm. And so th they didn't really call themselves that for a while, but that's just kind of the name that came from that. So it's Jews from Judah. And so it's a very distinct people, which basically oh. means we are the people that re remained ethnically and religiously independent from everybody else while the Samaritans did not. Gotcha. And so that's where Jew comes from, is the people that existed in Judah. And so... So is it Jews just from Judah, or is it Israel and Judah? So like Jews the northern and... are just from Judah. Okay. So, Jews are just from Judah. So this is where it kind of gets confusing. Mm -hmm. We refer to people as Israelites, Hebrews, yep. Jews. How does that all play? Yes. So the way that I understand it and the way that's been taught, told to me mm -hmm. is that Jews are from Judah, the people that descended from people that lived in Judah too. Mm -hmm. So again, gotcha. ethnically and religiously independent people. Mm -hmm. And so, like I mentioned earlier, the Samaritans never experienced the exile in Babylon, which is a huge part of Jewish history, mm -hmm. um, nor were they involved in the rebuilding of the temple that you see, I believe it's in Nehemiah. Yeah. The mm -hmm. Samaritans wanted nothing to do with that. Okay. Because again, they are um, a mix of Judaism religiously yep. and Assyrian and paganism. Okay. So they, they didn't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Now, the Jews viewed the Samaritans as foreigners in the promised land, um, basically who had been abandoned by God and worshipped these foreign pagan gods. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's the Jews who were coming back, they still viewed the promised land as theirs. Yeah. And you people up north, the Samaritans, you're out. Sure. You're no longer part of God's covenant mm -hmm. because you don't worship him solely. Mm -hmm. And again, you have different cultural practices. You're not full Israelites anymore. We're drawing a distinction now. Mm -hmm. Samaritans versus Jews. The Jews crack me up when they want to obey God and not because I know God warns against like paganism or Samaritans. And it's like, seems like it's always just when they want. It's like, oh, now we're going to try to get them out or listen to God. And other times they just, then they just obey when they want to. <laughs> exactly. It's a very uh, human, emotional driven yes, divide. That we all, I always judge the Israelites and I know it's myself too. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I mean, it's it. They do provide good lessons, but unfortunately, how many times would people all throughout history do the same thing? Yep, absolutely. And so, okay. I want to get a little bit into um, what the woman at the well was talking about um, with we worshipped on this mountain. So, um, because the Jews and the Samaritans were drawing that divide between themselves. Mm-hmm. The Samaritans were like, all right, we still kind of have some of your religious practices and we're going to kind of copy that. We're going to build our own temple on Mount Gerizim. And so they have this kind of copycat temple to what Solomon's temple used to be on um, Mount Gerizim, which is, again, dedicated to their kind of mixed, blended Samaritan pagan religion. Mm -hmm. So... And the Jews did not like this at all. Yeah. They viewed that as an abomination. Sure. You are copying what God gave to us mm-hmm. in the temple, mm-hmm. and you have defiled it with your pagan gods. Mm-hmm. Huge point of contention between mm-hmm. the two people as the centuries go on. So after um, I mentioned earlier that these Persians that are now in control of the whole area mm-hmm. were the same Persians that Alexander the Great conquered. Mm-hmm. So he comes in, does his thing, wipes the Persians out, and now the land of Israel is under control of the Greeks. Okay. And so what's kind of interesting is that um, Alexander himself had no heirs, and he died very young. He was only 33 when he died. Oh. So his whole empire just breaks apart almost immediately after he dies. Okay. And all of his generals take control. So the general that gets the point, the portion of his empire that Israel is in, mm-hmm. is a guy by the name of Seleucus. Okay. And so that's where we get the name the Seleucid Greek Empire from. Okay. So even though it's the name is Seleucid, there's still Greeks mm-hmm. who are in control. Okay. And so as time goes on, you have the Greeks are now running things in Israel and um, they practice what's called Hellenization. They want people to become Greek wherever they rule. Okay. Jews do not like this. They are very upset with the attempts of the Greeks to kind of force out their God, mm-hmm. force out their religion. Yeah. And so what the Jews end up doing is they rebel against okay. the Greeks and um, under a faction called the Maccabees. Okay. And this is where Jews get the... Um, holiday of hanukkah from where you light the menorah yeah representing god providing enough oil to uh, light the menorah while they're under siege in the temple this is that war that hanukkah comes from it's the jews versus the seleucid greeks and so uh the jews actually prevail in this war and this is about uh 140 bc okay so we're, we're progressing in time okay um through the centuries so 140 bc they beat the Seleucid Greeks and they form what's called Hasmonean Judea. Okay. And Hasmonean is the name of the ruling dynasty. Okay. So the kings are from the Hasmonean dynasty. That's where you get Hasmonean Judea. So okay. um, they're now independent again. They won their independence. They beat back the Greeks. But who allied with the Seleucid Greeks during that war? Their old enemies, the Samaritans. Samaritans. Oh, the Samaritans. <laughs> so the Samaritans thought these Jews down south have no idea what they're doing. We're uh-huh. part of this huge empire. They're going to okay. get the crap kicked out of them when yeah. the Greeks come. We're going to we're going to ally with the winning side and get some get some favor with the Greeks. <laughs> Didn't turn out that way. Yeah. And so now 
the independent Jews are furious. Again, this is they just, already didn't like the Samaritans. This now. is this They're is just tit for tat going on for centuries okay. at this point, okay. and this is a big turning point where you tried to deny us our independence. Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, it was already the last straw, yeah. And you guys are just despicable for sure. this. And so, as a response, this independent now Hasmonean Judea ransacked Samaria, um, just went in and just torched the place under in about 30 years after this in, in 110 bc under a guy named john hyrcanus okay and he just laid waste to samaria he's like these are our enemies for centuries at this point uh -huh. now remember this all starts in about 580 okay bc we're at 110 now so wow. about 450 years plus that these that this this conflict has been brewing and they're like, this is our chance to get back at them. For people that say time heals all wounds or heals stuff, this is proof. It, <laughs> not, it, it, if you have bitterness, always. don't let it sit, sit in you. <laughs> but just think yeah. about all the destruction that this that this wrought. Yeah. And so John Hyrcanus leads independent Judea up, okay. the army of the Jews, and just lays waste to the place. Okay. And what's their biggest target? This temple on Mount Gerizim that they have hated for centuries as an abomination to god wow. and so they destroy it yeah and so it's gone now and that's where the woman at the well is talking yeah, about our ancestors used to worship on this mountain wow back to that story and this is again 110 bc so yeah. about 140 years before jesus, jesus comes yeah and they're still upset about it yeah enough for her to mention it in that story yes Wow. You Jews came in and destroyed our temple. And you said that now we can only worship in Jerusalem yeah. with the one true God. Yeah. Which it's a mixed bag because, yes, you do want to worship the one true God. Mm -hmm. But how much pain was brought through your methods? Sure. You burned the, the temple down. Sure. You burned their towns and villages. Yeah. You laid waste to their cities. Yeah. So that's where this, again, over the centuries, you know, one will punch, the other will punch back yeah. and just keep going. And so one one last thing is that because the Samaritans were unable to fight back, really, yeah, what they would do is any any Jewish fugitives who were trying to flee, you know, uh, prosecution down in Hasmonean Judea uh -huh. would come to Samaria, and the Samaritans would be like, "Oh yeah, those Jews down there, they're awful. We get it. You guys can come oh, live with sure. us." So they would harbor people that were trying to face justice down south. Okay. And so, but because of that, Jews got the idea that Samaritans were a bunch of criminals. Yeah. Because you take in all the criminals that are fleeing from us. Sure. So that's just kind of one last thing um, that really highlights the divide between these two people. So to put it in wow. perspective, you have a group that no longer looks like you, no longer worships the same gods as you do, or kind of a blending of other religions. And throughout the centuries, this is hundreds and hundreds of years, about about close to 600 by the point that we get to Jesus, of just, we're just beating each other up every chance we get. And so imagine the hatred that is there between the Jews and the Samaritans. And then Jesus comes along and says, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yes. Out of all these people, it was a Samaritan that stopped and helped. Yep. And I can just imagine how controversial that would have been to the Jewish to the Jews to the hear Pharisees. that. Yeah. And saying these 
pagans up north who just are the worst people. They abandon God and he abandoned them and they do all this stuff to us and they ally with their enemies. You want, you think that they're good. I mean, that would, that's just revolutionary and idea and a revolutionary, revolutionary idea for the time. And then again, you can see just how painful that relationship still is with the dialogue that Jesus has with the woman at the well. It's still present in everybody's mind, even though the last big event happened about 140 years before. And That's so amazing. just goes to show how, how Jesus was so different from what everybody was expecting. And so I think knowing that context and getting the background for that hatred that is shared between those two people really sheds light on just how powerful these stories are. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're at a hundred percent. I think that just deepens our faith that much more in knowing that context and that background and showing that love Jesus has literally that in him, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. And that's a specific verse, but in this case, no longer Samaritan or Jew mm-hmm. either. That literally his salvation is welcome to everyone. Exactly. And that context is exactly. perfect. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that would have been very fresh on the mind of people who are reading the Gospels, you know, at the time that they're yeah. written. But for us, we just need to dig a little bit deeper to understand what exactly that all means. And oh. so I think it's very beneficial to do that. Perfect. And I think you helped us do that today. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. For more, go to youcanthroughchrist.com. You are loved. <laughs>